0: Reverent,
1: entertaining, cool. You are listening to LA Talk Radio. We say what we
0: want. You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch. Only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to Impact Hiring Solutions Live. I'm Brad Remillard, and my partner, Barry Deutsch, normally joins us, but today Barry's off uh, flying to a a talk he's giving to a company and a group of CEOs back east, so he will not be joining us today. Uh, Impact Hiring Solutions is an executive-retained search firm and a best practices hiring consulting company. Uh, We know that there are a lot of talk shows out there We know that a lot of talk shows talk about different businesses, business issues. Uh, What makes our show just a little bit different from other business shows is that we have one thing we talk about. Uh, Barry and I jokingly tell each other, we probably only know really one thing, but we know it very, very well, and that's hiring. So that's what this show is all about hiring. Whether you are a candidate, out there trying to find the right job in this very, very difficult market and trying to get back to work and wondering what should I be doing? Am I doing everything right? Am I? What am I doing wrong? Why is it taking so long? Uh, those are the topics we're going to cover. If you are a hiring manager and you're sitting back thinking, well, maybe I'm looking to hire people in this economy. Maybe I'm not, but I, you know, I know I will be. Maybe I need to upgrade. The question is where do I find this top talent. Uh, Where do I locate uh, the best people? Uh, So we'll talk about how to find top talent, how to interview top talent. Where is this talent? And we do this every Monday uh, from 11 to noon Pacific time on LA Talk Radio. Uh, This is a Shelburne, we want to engage you. We want to make you part of our show. So if you have questions, especially today's topic we're going to talk about for candidates, some of the interviewing mistakes candidates make, if you would like to participate uh, and be a part of the conversation, if you want to ask a question, if you've had a particular issue uh, in your uh, job search, you can call us from at 818-602-4929, and uh, we'll push you on and we'll have a discussion. That's 498, I'm sorry, that's 818-602-4929, but I have to caution you. You have to call from an unblocked phone number. If you call from a blocked number, then all that's going to happen is you are going to uh, get a recording. So your number has to be unblocked, and you can unblock that by dialing uh, star a two prior to the call. If you're in an environment where you can't call us, where you have to, uh, maybe you're sitting out at a, store or something like that, uh, sitting in your office and you can't talk, uh, give us a call or send us an email at info at solutions.com. That's info at But Either way, we'll do our best to get your uh, discussion, your question, your topic on the air. Today, we're going to focus on candidates. We're going to talk about what are those interviewing mistakes, those interviewing errors, what are some of the issues that happen in interviews that candidates uh, may not even know is happening. I, in my 30 years as a recruiter, have conducted over 10,000 interviews. I have... Co interview, participated in interviews with well over a thousand, probably 1,500 different uh, hiring managers. I have gotten more feedback from the the five, six thousand searches I've worked on in my life from hiring managers of what went wrong in the interviews, why they didn't want to hire the candidate. Candidate that as a recruiter I thought was ideal for the job. But the hiring manager calls me back and comes up with uh, reasons. And In fact, I'll talk about this maybe in a little while. This actually just happened to me recently. I interviewed a candidate for a search I'm conducting. In my interview, the candidate was outstanding. And I, I think I do a pretty good job of interviewing. I probe deeply. I ask for a lot of examples. I don't let candidates off the hook. Uh, some people even say I'm relatively aggressive in a candidate. I'm very direct. Uh, I feel that's my responsibility as a recruiter. And this candidate did an outstanding job. In fact, actually turned me around. I really wasn't that impressed with the candidate when I talked to him on the phone. But he called me back, talked me in a meeting with him, and I thought it would be a waste of time. But as I, as I interviewed the candidate more and more, I realized this candidate really has a great background. So I set the candidate up, and not too much later, I uh, uh, give a call, and I, I meet with the candidate, and I, the candidate I go out to the company, and sure enough, we have an interview. I'm there with the hiring manager. I'm talking to the company, and the candidate implodes. After the interview, the only thing I could say to, that, to the president was, I don't know who this candidate was. It's certainly not the same candidate that I interviewed over a week ago. What? went wrong what did that candidate do different with me than they did with the hiring manager and that happens all the time so we're going to cover those issues and we're going to take your call in fact we got a call on the line right now we'll take we'll start out with the call we got a call from area code 425 uh give us your first name and uh the city you're calling from are you there for area code 425 Okay, well, uh, let's talk further about some of the issues around um, interviewing, and I realize that what I'm going to say today is not rocket scientists. I realize that in all probability, um, you may already know this stuff. that I'll tell you as a recruiter is a big frustration for me because even this candidate I just mentioned about that failed miserably afterward, I'm sure after the interview, in fact, I know after the interview because I called him, and I said, how do you think the interview went? And he commented back, I think it started out okay, but it, I don't think it ended that well. So he knew something was going wrong. So I know what I'm going to discuss with you today, you probably already know. If you are looking for some turn on the light, flash of, of uh, you know, uh, great wisdom hitting you today. Maybe I'll get lucky, maybe I won't. But I'll consider it a success if I can convince you of two things. Number one, that these issues are important and the reason we're talking about them is because they happen all the time. Because these are the mistakes candidates make over and over again. That's why we bring them up. If they weren't happening over and over again, we wouldn't need to talk about them. And the second thing is I know you know them. I wish most candidates would do them. Knowing something and doing something is a huge leap. We all know how to write. How many of us are Pulitzer Prize Pulitzer, uh, winning authors? We're not. But we know how to do it. Doing it is a big difference. And doing it at a highly skilled level is a quantum leap from knowing it so my goal is to give you some of the tools so you can step back out of this program today and say you know what you're right i know that but how well am i doing that what would be a tool that i could use to get better how do i get better than my competition in this economy today if you are not better than your competition you're out the words I hear most from my client, and I hate to say that, but the constant words I hear most from my clients is or are, got anybody else? They were fine, good, liked them, probably can do the job, but uh, any more candidates out there? Companies know today that even if they have a you know, a scale of 1 to 10, a 7 or 8, they think, rightly or wrongly, there's a 9 or 8 or a 9 out there. So you have to be so good in this economy so perfect in this economy that basically the hiring manager can't find a mistake, can't find an error, and says, this is the person I want to hire. If you're not doing all the things we talk about today at an extremely high level, you are not ready to go. So let's talk about that. I believe there's a lot of things that have to happen way before the interviewing begins. I believe one of the biggest mistakes if not the biggest mistakes, is candidates don't prepare to interview, but rather they prepare for an interview. Candidates become unemployed. They start looking for a job. They put their resume together. They start thinking about some of the questions that might be asked in their mind, and they never really get thoroughly prepared to interview. The key is getting prepared to interview, not for an interview. So I believe lack of preparation. And I'll give you an example. Again, just happened to me. Had a conference call with a, com- a company. Had a, actually a, a, a video conference with a candidate. And so I called the candidate back afterwards, and I said, "Hey, how'd it go? What'd you think? How, you know, what were the thoughts on the interview?" And I about fell out of my chair. Here's the candidate. He's been un- he's unemployed. Been unemployed for about two months. And he says back to me. Well, Brad, it's one of my first interviews. I probably wasn't prepared. I should be, and I, I probably need to think about how to answer some of those questions a little bit better for next time. Next time? In this kind of, there might not be a next time. Why wasn't this candidate prepared to interview two months he's been unemployed? Why wasn't the candidate prepared to interview long before? Why wasn't he preparing? The questions and the answers are going to get asked. I have asked over probably close to 200 people face-to-face, and then I've asked this numerous times in groups. How many of you have written out thorough, in-depth answers to the questions you know you're going to get asked in the interview. I don't mean you've sat and made an outline. I don't mean you've thought about it in your head. I mean you have literally written out the answers. Let me see. When they say to me, tell me about yourself, have you written out that answer? When they say to me, you know, have you had any experience doing X? Do you have a written out answer? When they say, can you give me an example of something you've done in this area? Have you written out the response? I mean written it out. You've read it back. You've looked at it. It's succinct. It hits the high points. It, you know everything about it. You've got the examples. You've got the details of the examples. So if the company comes back and says, gee, that's interesting. So you know, give me an idea. What was the budget when you started that? You've got that number. Most candidates don't. Just going through this process of writing it out helps you get prepared for just about any question that's going to be asked in an interview. If you aren't taking this time to write out the answers to these questions, you are not prepared. And I believe there are plenty of areas out there to get the answered questions to. There are more books out there on what questions are going to be asked in an interview just by every topic. You can go on the Internet. And just type in sales interviewing questions and the whole list pop up. Just preparing for those answers will be helpful by writing them out. Think how much better you'll be prepared when that question comes up because you've written it out, you've edited it, you've made it succinct to the point it hits the high points. How much better you'll be than the candidate who has to think on the spot for that answer. Think how much more engaging you'll be with that hiring manager. Think about your ability to communicate better with that hiring manager when you write those questions out. And yet, few people rarely ask uh write those questions out. In fact, I'm kind of answering this. Tom sent me an email. Tom's in Arizona. Tom sent me an email that says, I don't know what is going to be asked, so I'm not sure how to prepare for the question. I don't know. And I'd go back. to My answer to Tom would be, Tom, you know what? A couple of things. Get on the Internet and start asking questions. In our book that we wrote, this is not the position I accepted, we have a whole host of questions to ask. In fact, we have written out the 10 most important questions to ask in the interview and how to answer those questions. Most of the things I'm talking about today, Tom, are in our book. That's why I wrote the book. It's a workbook. It's not meant to be read. It's meant to help you really think about what to do before that first interview. I would tell you then sit down with your boss or some other peers and ask them what questions they ask in the interview so you can write those down and get prepared for that answer of how you want to answer those questions. So there's plenty of resources out there. You don't have to rely on yourself, but you can rely on other people. I would suggest how many of you have tapped into the tools that are available? How many of you candidates that I have met have never tapped into the tools that are out there? Such as? Having a video yourself on the in, a, in an interview. Now, I know if you're going through an outplacement firm, some outplacement firms will actually do a video of you. But you can do the same thing. You can get a peer. You can get someone else unemployed, somebody from a networking group to say, hey, let's do some mock interviewings. Let's get a video camera and we'll role play. You ask me an interview and I'll answer it. And let's see how I look. How do you sit in a chair? What is your real eye contact? I have interviewed candidates. At the end of the, my interview, or midstream of my interview, I will look at the candidate I'll say, you know, we've been at this now for X number of minutes. Do you realize you've only looked me in the eyes maybe two or three times? Easily, easily, two-thirds of the candidates tell me I'm lying to them. Well, not lie. Tell me I'm wrong. Oh, yes, I have. And I'm saying, no, you haven't. I'm sitting here looking at you. When you, you, you glance at me, you make a second worth of eye contact, and then you look away. Then your eyes wander around the room. You'll see that in a videotape. And I would say two-thirds of you will be surprised that you're not actually looking at the person while you're answering them. We'll talk about how to deal with that in a panel interview if we have time, but that's a whole other topic on a panel interview. What if you have three people there? How do you deal with that? So you'll see things like your hand motions. You will see uh, strange little quirks that you have about how you sit in a chair, how you lean forward, what is really powerful. And anybody who's gone through a Toastmasters or war, any kind of speech coach, you will notice strange little questions in your, uh, strange little quirks in how you speak, um, such as you'll say, uh, oh, a lot. You may say, like more than you'd uh, stop. One of the things before I started speaking, and I still do it. It's a hard thing, hard thing to do. You probably just heard me do it. I stop in the middle of a sentence and sometimes don't complete a sentence because my mind goes faster than my voice. Now, it's taken me years to work on that, and I'm still not good at it. But you'll see that in an interview. So let's take a call. We have a call from Mary code 615. Uh, caller, why don't you give us your name and, uh, what city you're calling from? Well, we lost that caller too. Uh, uh, can so let's, um, talk about video, uh, taping yourself. Um, this is really important, uh, that you take this time to, um, uh, Prepare to watch for their quirks, uh, to look at how you answer questions, uh, to understand: Are you listening to the questions? How often we have asked a question and hiring managers said, "I asked this question, I don't feel I got an answer to it." The candidate rambled on. The candidate moved. The candidate moved to another direction. The candidate didn't follow through. So many. Issues are happening here that when you take the time to videotape that, you will see that. Um, So videoing is really important in taking a look at an idea of what you can do to go forward. Some of the other things I would suggest to you is many people just don't have a voice. One of the things I have recommended to numerous people over and over again is get a voice coach. Too many people are very monotone. Too many people are very um, uh, nervous. Too many people talk softly. Uh, We all have heard about the soft talker, the person you can't hear. Too many people don't know how to properly stress a point and aren't comfortable stressing a point. That is so important. Get yourself a voice coach. Learn how to communicate effectively. That's the difference between a great interviewer and an average interviewer. And in this economy, you've got to be a great interviewer to go forward. I've asked this question hundreds of times to well, not hundreds of times. I've asked this question many times to thousands of people. How many of you are in sales? And sooner or later, they all get the point and raise their hand. Oh, we're all in sales. Some people say, oh, we're all in sales looking for a job. Great. How many have read any books, hired a a sales coach, and really worked on becoming a salesperson? Because you don't just become a salesperson because you say you're a salesperson. Sales is as much a profession as an accounting person. Two-thirds of the hands go down. Two-thirds go down. They just, yeah, I'm in sales, okay? I don't know what that means, but I'm in sales. Why not go hire a sales coach? Teach how to overcome objections. Learn how to close a sale. Learn how to get in front of the person you want to get in front of. Learn how to ask the right questions to gather the data that you need to present yourself. This is important issues in getting prepared to interview before the interview even starts. For those of you that just joined us, I want to remind you that uh, you are listening to L.A. Talk Radio. Uh, My name is Brad Remillard, and uh, this is Impact Hiring Solutions Live. We're here every Monday from Monday uh, 11 to noon, where we talk about every issue on hiring. We help candidates find the right jobs, and we help companies find and hire top talent. You can participate with us today by calling 818 818 602-4929, 602-4929, just as long as you call from an unblocked number. You can also email us at info at ImpactHiringSolutions.com. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure to let you know is for those listeners today, we're going to make available on our website after this interview. You can go to our website, ImpactHiringSolutions.com. It's Impact hiring solutions.com and we're going to make available free to you a list of what we call our interviewing do's and don'ts you'll be able to download that free from our website it's right out of our book this is not the position i accepted and it's just a list of things to think about do's and don'ts again that may seem obvious to you but the reason they're there because these do's and don'ts happen all the time and i mean all the time. Or actually, in the case of the do's, they don't happen enough. And in the case of the don'ts, they happen too often. So we felt this so compelling that we wanted to put these down just to ensure that you would have these do's. that you can sit back and say, am I doing this or am I not doing that? We'll make that list free. It's from our best-selling book. This is not the position I accepted, which is not a book you read. People get this and say, don't read the book it's a workbook it's a book it's a textbook we wrote this book not for you to read like a novel but to step back and say how am i doing these things what are the templates that i need to answer am i incorporating these questions into my interview we'll talk about that in a little while so this book is really a step-by-step guideline the five steps critical that you have to go through in in a true search walking you through the five steps giving you the tools giving you the resources that you're going to have to go through uh, once you get on that line. So um, let's. I just recommend this free resource will be available to you. It will be a download from our website. You can pick it up. Uh, there will be a link there, uh, and uh, it will be a free resource on interviewing do's and don'ts. So uh, let's try another caller. Let's see if we can get this one through. I think it's the same caller we had before, hopefully, uh, area code 425 Give us your name and uh, where you're calling from. Hello? Go ahead. Yeah, you're on. Go ahead.
1: I need to turn down. Um, This is Teresa. I'm up in the Seattle area, and I've been a headhunter for about 15 years. And I just highly, highly recommend what you're talking about. I have to say um, all of your advice is great. I'd say the two pieces that I heard recently that were um, the, the issues that I heard that that um, candidates fail to focus on and you've talked about them is being succinct, which you're, you're um, writing down the answers that you've talked about. I never used to coach candidates to do that in today's market. I harass them into doing it. So I just totally support you on that. The ability to tell their stories very succinctly. And the other yeah, piece ter- that I haven't heard you talk about, and I'd like to hear your comments on it, is the employers that I've worked with really want people who are self-aware. They know what they're good at. They know where their areas of weaknesses are, and they're working on them. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Uh, first off, let me compliment you. Fifteen years in the search business uh, makes you almost a lifer. I've been doing it for 30 years. and. Uh, <laughs> You and I both know everybody. Every has got a telephone. When it, the economy is good, like it was three years ago, becomes a recruiter. And when the economy goes bad, they vanish. Um, that's right. But, that's uh, right. I, I, we're, I'm so in tune with you on this because we find, and, I, and you touched upon it, is that as recruiters right now, uh, you have to be exceptional about what you want to do. Uh, I wrote a blog recently coming up on our blog, and the, and I asked the question: Are recruiters looking for qualified candidates? And the answer was no, we're not. We don't care about qualified candidates right now. We only care about, in this economy, the exceptionally qualified candidates. Heck, Teresa, they don't need to pay us the money they pay us to find a great candidate. They can do that on their That's own right. right, a qualified candidate. And so when you go into this process, if you can't demonstrate how exceptional you are, how often do you hear? How many more candidates do you have? Do you have anybody else? How often do you hear that in this economy?
1: Well, and today we're hearing that it used to be that if they could spell Internet, they could get a job. Now they have to have 15 out of the 15 criteria at 100%.
0: Exactly right. And I've got to tell you, that's the problem right now. Uh, can and, and not being prepared, not having these answers written out, uh, not knowing what's going on, changes the dynamics of the interview, and to me, they become vanilla. They just, they're just like everybody else. Gee, who else hasn't come in and told us the same thing you're telling us? And, and or not been prepared. So they talk for three minutes, hoping they cover everything the hiring manager wants and the hiring That's manager right. will pick out what, what they want. And That's right. It doesn't work in today's economy. Let me ask you, you're up in the Seattle area. Do you find that candidates today really haven't adjusted how they conduct their job search for the economy? They're still doing it the way they did it back when you're right. You could, if, if you could spell, you know, the, you got the job. Do you find that's that right. candidates haven't really adjusted to understanding what this market is today and, and adjusted their job search to the, today's market?
1: I, I would say that's absolutely true, and there's more and more people on the market that have never really had to do a search. They, they something happened to their job and company got acquired or something like that and they called 10 of their friends and those 10 guys introduced them to a couple of opportunities and before you knew it they had a job now they call those 10 people and 8 out of them are 8 of them are looking for work and so they're goes 8 are unemployed That's right.
0: That, yeah. So
1: I think the most frustrating thing for me in terms of really being able to help people is helping them understand how much they don't know about this thing called a job search and how they need to become specialists at this right now. And I use the same metaphor you do. I I use um, you need to be now the CEO of a great service called Teresa, and I'm marketing my services out to the marketplace and if they wait for job openings to appear online, it's like a sales rep only calling on people that issue an RFP. Yeah, that's they should a, be no, out no, there developing it. relationships before those jobs are actually announced. I know you talk about this in your blogs.
0: Well, I think that's great, and I've never used that an RFP analogy, but that's a great. I'm going to steal that from you, Teresa. I'm you got it. Giving you fair, <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you fair warning. I'm going to steal that. Uh, that's All a right. great analogy. So it's, it's a salesperson waiting for an RFP. It's exactly right. In fact, the book we wrote, the, "This Is Not the Position I Hired, and, and it's free on our on our website. I mean, you can literally get it for. We got to pay five bucks to ship it, but uh, we took exactly what you just said. We looked at what are the problems with the searches, what are the five steps you have to go through on a search. And if I believe, and I'm convinced because I've worked this now with people I coach, when they walk through each of these steps, not reading the book, but they actually do each of the chapters, they find a job, I'm convinced, in half the time because it really does guide them step by step through a search uh, in terms of moving to the next level as you and I as recruiters would coach them to do. And I believe recruiters probably know more about getting a job than most career coaches, most HR person, not because we're that's better, right. but because that's, that's what we do. I mean, career coaches generally haven't even helped a person ever find a job. They've coached them up, but they've never been on both sides of the fence and had to have a client say, this resume is terrible. And you've got to stick well, your neck out and say, the and You say, and I know, the, the
1: you I? I know what the hiring manager needs to see. You know what they, We know what they need to hear. And we know that they know they have choices today.
0: Yeah, even HR people only come at it from their one company perspective. We've seen, you know, I've seen, I've been doing this for thirty years. I started in nineteen eighty. We've we've seen, you know, every industry, every company, every type of hiring manager. We bring this value to candidates and and companies, but certainly candidates, and uh, they should tap into the resources that recruiters like yourself and my, we do, and and many other good recruiters out there are willing to do. If you've been around fifteen years, uh. You've been through at least two recessions, and that tells me that you're a survivor, and that puts in a, in a class of our own those people that can survive that versus those who have been in for three years and uh, hanging on by a thread.
1: Well, and especially if, like you, I'm pretty selective about who I recruit for, I will only recruit for a company that I would work for and invest in because I that's what I'm asking a candidate to do. So uh, I'm pretty selective about the clients I work for Microsoft has been a recent client, and I learned a lot, actually, recruiting for them in terms of um, companies that actually train their hiring managers to do a rigorous job of interviewing, and that's that's where the whole issue of being self-aware and succinct, they hated people who, when asked, what is your weakness, would try to say, well, you know, some people do complain that I work way too hard.
0: Yeah, exactly. Great. And you know what? I te- and you know what? I coach my candidates, on, my clients when they say that. I coach What's my that? clients and say, I say, well, good. That's Now, that's interesting, Teresa. Can you give me an example at your current company where working too hard really hurts your career and your performance on the job? <laughs> they, don't, they don't have an answer for that. They have a no no. clue. Uh, wait a minute. Working, how do you get an example for working too hard? You know, Teresa, why don't you do this? You're up in Seattle. Um why don't you, how do people get in touch with you if they're in Seattle? I mean, if you want them to. Some recruiters don't want them to, and I understand why as a recruiter. But if you want to, you want to put out a website or how to get in touch with you, uh, feel free well, if you I'm, don't. I'm on LinkedIn. As recruiter, I understand.
1: I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Teresa Dahl, D-A-H-L. And I'm glad to say that, as you're probably noticing, the market is picking up. Our candidates are getting more and more interviews, and people need to be more hopeful now, not discouraged.
0: Well, great. Thank you for participating. I really do appreciate that. And uh, feel free to call back any Monday between eleven to noon and uh, converse with us. I, you're, I really appreciate you taking the time to call, and we'll talk about those other issues right now. As a matter of fact, thanks, Teresa. Good
1: job. Have Thank a great you. day. Bye.
0: So Teresa brought up some really good points. Let's talk about um, what goes on once you get into the interview. There's a couple of things you need to know going back. Uh, years ago, I was—I uh, mentioned the book. I was a young recruiter and talking with a VP of HR from Rockwell Corporation, large company, and he said to me, "Brad, one of the most important things we look for are what we call the four A's." I said, "What four A's? What are you talking about? What are the four A's?" He said, "Let me tell you what we want to see when we bring a person in. We want a person that is has a good appearance, meaning they're dressed professionally." We want someone who's articulate, someone who's affable, and someone who is assertive. That's what we look at for the four A's. And let me get to the first impression because like it or not, the first impression is the key to a successful interview. Hiring managers, right or wrong, good or bad, well, that's a whole other topic. And we talk about it extensively on the hiring manager side. But unfortunately, hiring managers make first impressions. You make a strong first impression. Let's play a game here. Let's say, to get to the next round, on a scale of one to ten, you got to get to a seven on the ranking scale. Just a random number, let's say seven. You make a weak first impression, and well, let me back up. So you got to get to seven. So on that, you end up. Uh, let's say everybody starts at zero. You bring them in. Everybody's neutral when we come in. So let's say everybody's zero, and we got to get to seven to become successful. If you make a strong first impression, you can get all the way to three or four. Now you only got to get from four to seven. You make a weak first impression. You drop down to three points to a negative three. You got to get up to, you got to hit 10. That's a home run. That's a grand slam. Isn't going to happen. The first impressions drive the interview. When you've got a hiring manager who is waiting too long to start the hiring process, is into the hiring process too long, they become desperate. First impressions change the whole interview so practice your four a's what is your appearance how are you articulate are you affable and are you assertive Teresa mentioned about it self-aware companies are not looking to hire people who aren't confident people who don't who don't come across confident they're not assertive they're not communicative and they don't represent themselves well my answer is all the candidates I interview I would say half of them would hire themselves If they saw themselves through this video. So think about those four A's and how you're impacting those four A's and making this strong first impression when you come in the door. Uh, What's your handshake like? Have you rehearsed your introduction? What is your eye contact? We live in a multicultural here. Now, many people in their cultures aren't used to making eye contact. But if you meet up a company that is, a person that is, you have to be aware of that. You have to be culturally sensitive to these issues. You have to understand when you get into an interview, there are a multitude of types of questions you're going to be asked. But in the end, all questions boil down into three categories. We have what we call the throwaway question. Those are the questions that, you know, tell me about yourself. What kind of animal do you want to be? They just throw away. They're filling time. They're bored. They don't know what to ask. They're they're building rapport. Um, really don't have a big impact on the interview. Then there's what I call the information type questions. These are important questions. These are questions to gather information to determine how well your background fits with what they want to do. It's like, how big is your company? What was the size of the organization you managed? How many people did you manage? What were the backgrounds of these people? Um, did you have, have you worked internationally? They're gathering information to help align you with the position. Then there are what I call the critical questions. For good interviewers, those are the pain questions. Those are the questions that I've got some challenges faced in front of me and I need somebody who can solve these problems. These are the questions where you can now relate to them, begin to relate to them and begin to solve their pain. You can begin to bring solutions to the interview. They walk out thinking, wow, not only do they have a great background, they're affable, they're friendly, they make a good presentation, but they can solve my pain. Part of your job in the interview is this awareness. Of understanding what type of question they 're going to ask, Teresa brought up a good point. Do you know what your weaknesses are, and do you have answers for what you 're doing to to build and improve those weaknesses you shouldn 't be shy about a weakness. You should throw it on the table and say, "But you know what this is what i 'm working on here 's what i 'm doing to become better at what i do here 's what i 'm doing to improve." I'm going to Toastmasters to become a better speaker. I've hired a speech coach to help me become more articulate. Use those tools to begin to show how you're growing. Particularly if you're at a at an entry level or you're at a mid-manager level or a manager level, you want to show how you're growing. Even at a CEO level. What are you doing to become a better CEO? What books have you read lately? What business books have you read lately? What workshops, what seminars have you done? What technical areas have you done to make yourself better? Be aware of all these issues going on. In the interview, there's a concept called mirroring. Not sure how many of you are aware of this, but there's a concept called mirroring. How do you mirror that person doing the interviewing? For example... If you're talking to someone, if you're a salesperson, you're meeting with an engineering or accounting person who may be more analytical versus a creative sales or marketing person, do you slow down? Do you pause? Do you give them time to absorb your answer because they're analytical and give them time to recognize? and uh, understand what you said, or do you talk fast like I do, and it runs right over them. So I always watch how I mirror people. Do you mirror the way they sit in the chair? Do they lean forward? Do you lean forward? Do they cross their legs? Do you cross their legs? Do you mirror them to get them comfortable with who you are and how well you'll fit together? You have to be willing to adjust your style to their style, to their culture many times. So this is all part of the preparation that you need to go through. Let me uh, I've got a bunch of emails here, so let me, let me just take an email here. I got this one. Let's, see, uh, let's go from Brad from Chicago. I like the name Brad, so we'll go with him. He says, recruiters seem to be looking for a needle in a haystack. I don't even get a chance to interview with the company. How do I convince recruiters I can do the job if I can't get an interview? Quite frankly, I would tell you that you ate one of two things. You get a person like Teresa, my partner, Barry, or me on the line. If you haven't prepared your answers, I'm not going to put you out in front of my client. That's the fastest way to lose a client. No recruiter wants to hear back and say, like like happened to me, why didn't you send this candidate in? Not even qualified. And I would met the person. If you aren't prepared, Brad, and you can't sit back and articulate succinctly your questions and your answers in an enthusiastic way, now, I haven't heard your voice, so I don't know if you're monotone, if you're slow, if you, what your process is, if you're mirroring all those issues that the, our book, this is not the position I accept, it talks about. If you just said, I know that, and not taken the time to integrate that into your search, that's going to happen. But like I said earlier to Teresa, remember. Recruiters right now, different than two years ago, right now, are not looking for qualified person people. You may be qualified for that for that position, the recruiter doesn't care. If you can't demonstrate to us why you are exceptionally qualified, we're going to move on because we're trying to close the search, and our clients will tell us to move on. So it's your job, I would say, Brad, to demonstrate to that recruiter why you are exceptionally qualified i'll take this from debbie in indianapolis i have three interviews coming up this week with one company i feel like i've asked all the questions and gotten my answers should i keep asking the same questions my answer is yes if it's a good question one interview it's a good question another interview. and here's the kind of the secret most follow-up after interviews from a hiring manager side is so poor they're going to walk out and say, boy, I don't know, but boy, she really asked me good questions. And they're all going to say the same thing. And nobody's going to step back and say, well, what question did they ask you and it was the same one? Now recognize, you may have to adjust the, the way the question is asked, the, the wording of the question differently for an HR person, and a salesperson, an engineering person, an accounting person, which is part of the mirroring we talked about. But it helps you look for consistencies. You may not ask the same question of every person, but on critical questions, you should be looking for a theme to determine what you're getting into. So I always tell my candidates, I'd rather have you ask the questions than not ask any questions. And let's move to that because it's kind of the, the biggest issue and I think the number one biggest mistake. I set the, I've saved the best for the last. For those of you just inter- joining us, we're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. I'm Brad Remillard with Impact Hiring Solutions. We're talking today about candidate interviewing mistakes. You'll be able to download for free from our website, impacthiringsolutions.com, a list of interviewing do's and don'ts. Uh, and we hope you'll take it to heart rather than just looking at it saying, I know that, I know that, I know that. I really hope you'll take it to heart and begin to say, how do I do that? Because there's probably nothing on this list you don't know or haven't heard. But the list is important for you to put on your mirror and ask yourself how you're going to do that. And then we're going to make that available for free through our website. So let's talk about what I consider to be. Absolutely, positively, the number one biggest mistake candidates make, other than preparation, I'm talking about now during the interview, and that is the questions they ask. Let me rephrase that. The lack of questions they ask. I have sat in on, I'm guessing, thousands of interviews with my clients. I cannot tell you how many times I'll hear the clients say, well, you know, I've been talking for a long time, uh, Mary. uh, What questions do you have for me? And Mary sits back like a deer in the headlights and says, you know, gee, you've asked all my questions. I guess I don't really have any. Or Mary comes back with two generic, vague, you know, typical questions. Uh, uh, well, what's the budget? Uh, um, uh, do I have good people working for me? Uh, uh, what's your management style? Uh, uh, and they come back with these questions, and then three questions, and then in five minutes they're done. What a waste of a golden opportunity. The questions you ask are often more important than the answers you give. You should have a list of questions you want to ask. In fact, we feel this is so important. In our book, This is Not the Position I Accepted, we have listed for you the 10 most important questions to ask in every interview. Meaning every interview process, let me rephrase that. You should ask these 10 questions at every single interview. And then we've added another 134 questions broken down by different segments, uh, of questions to ask. That's how important it is. We have them on company values, on leadership, on initiative, questions on job specific, 10, 13 questions to ask on company visions. Nine questions to ask about relationships with your direct supervisor. Nine questions to ask about your direct reports. Uh, Six questions to ask about initiative. You could pick one from each of these categories and ask, and I'll guarantee you, because it's happened to me. I've had candidates. I just had this happen. I gave the candidate my book, and I said, here's some questions about asking. He came into the interview, asked the questions. After the interview, I was with the president. The president walked in and said, wow, finally some questions that challenged me, and finally some questions that really um nobody else has ever asked. But candidates don't do that. Candidates sit back like deer in the headlights and pass up a golden opportunity. And then they come out and they say, well, See, I didn't know enough about the position to to ask questions. It's because you didn't ask any questions about the position. You didn't ask any questions about the company. And then candidates always say, "Well, you know, it's really about fit." Great. What questions did you ask about fit? I'll give you a real life example. I'm interviewing, I'm phone interviewing a candidate on the phone, and the candidates, I, I went through these questions. Well, why did you leave this job? Why did you leave this job? And the candidate says, "Well, the last job, truth, Brad, I I got." I got fired or laid off, riff, whatever he called it. He said, because I really, they didn't feel that the way I managed my time and, and the way they handled their time, uh, the way they, they recorded their time and did time management was so different. I said, oh, great. I said, so what did you learn about time management to ensure in your next company that doesn't happen again? What questions are you going to ask your next company? about their time management and what you've done on time management to ensure it aligns with your, how you are. Seemed like a natural thing to ask if you failed on one thing because of a cultural issue. Wouldn't you learn from that? I want to make sure you don't walk into that culture again. He had no clue what I was talking about. Huh? And we talked for a few minutes. He didn't have a clue. Why Why would he do this? So. I got to suggest to you, and we only have about four minutes left. I want to remind you, to, you know, ask questions, get them prepared. You don't have to write them down. In our book, I think we have—I said 134 questions on uh, that. I have—I have 30 questions or more on commonly asked questions you're going to get in an interview. So for the person I remember who it was, Bill, or who the question was, or Tom it was, I guess, in Arizona, said, what questions do I ask? In our book, and our book is free online right now. You get it for free. Take it. Got you five bucks to ship it. There are 30 questions that you should be prepared to write out those answers for to those people that called about how to prepare. We have two whole chapters on preparing properly for the interview. We have templates to to find for, like Teresa said, how how do I find those jobs? We have sections on whole networking and a whole networking exercise designed to focus you on that. We have – I can't tell you how big our chapter is on resumes. I don't even remember. I i got three resumes, five resumes. I dissected to tell you what the problem with it is and why as a recruiter I wouldn't respond to you. So if you want to know why people don't respond to your resume, it, we tell you in the book and we literally take these aside and and do that. Um, we have all the questions I asked you about. We have. Uh, a whole list of, I'm going to give you the do's and don'ts in an interview. We have a checklist of what we call the interviewing success factors. These are the things that the top talent, the best candidate, bring to the table. If you want to know, and there's about, I don't know, 10 or 15 of these, what they bring to the table, these success factors are right there in our book on page 81. And it's yours for free. Five bucks. You've got to pay for the shipping. We give you actually canned answers, how to answer the questions in the book, and it's yours free. All I'm saying is don't say the tools aren't out there, and don't say, well, I don't know if you're trying to sell me something or you don't know what you're talking about. I've been doing this for 30 years. Teresa's been doing it for 15 years. Any recruiter that's been around for more than 10 years, listen to. If they've survived the recruiting industry for 10 years, they know what they're talking about. They've only been in two or three. They got in it when things were good in 2006, 2007, and they don't have enough experience. Before you hire a coach, ask them, how many times have you sat with a hiring manager? How many people have you hired? How many times have you been debriefed by a hiring manager telling you the problems that they don't like in your resume, that they don't like the way you answered a question? Those are important things to know before you hire a coach. These are here and these people are out there like Teresa and myself and many other good recruiters are out there willing to help because we recognize we had it good in the three years ago and now it's our turn to give back. Our book is all about giving back. On our website, as I close, we have a host of free resources for you. Uh, we have every audio file on every program we've talked about from Finding the Hidden Job Marketing, Leveraging Social Media. Resumes, interviewing, candidates' mistakes, all those audio files are there, and they're free at ImpactHiringSolutions.com. Our blog, if you're not watching our blog weekly, we talk about all the issues, and it's all on ImpactHiringSolutions.com. Just go up top side, hit candidates, scroll down to free resources, and they're all right there. Our LinkedIn discussion group, Impact Hiring Solutions Job Search Network. We have tremendous discussions going on. The resources are out there to help you never make a hiring, interviewing mistake again. The resources are out there to make sure you become the person that gets the job. If you want to get hired, tap into these resources. Again, this is Brad Remillard. Have a great week. You're listening to LA Talk Radio where Impact Hiring Solutions Live. Comes to you every Monday from 11 to 11:50. Have a great week. Week win the next interview. Prepare, ask questions, and you'll do a great job, and you'll get. Good job. Thank you all very much. We'll talk to you next week. You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch, only on LA Talk Radio.